Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Engage HR podcast. Um, this is episode three, and of course, it is brought to you to by Engagely. Engagely is a people enablement and performance management tool. This podcast is from everything from people enablement to Aaron's hilarious dad jokes. Let's get started. I'm William Miller. All righty. Well, Aaron, how are you today? How are you doing? Pretty good day, William. Uh, yeah. Nice, fair weather. Sun came out. Can't play. I like it. Your assessments of things are just so. <laughs> so, it, the weather is very well. It's just okay. You know, it's right in the middle. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, anyway, today we have a very special guest. We have Rainy. Rainy, um, you know, has been in the mentoring space for about 30, 30 years. Is that correct? Uh, about 30 years, um, you know, he's a knowledge expert, I would say a, a mentoring practitioner, um, but I'll let Rainey kind of do a short introduction of himself. All right. Thanks, William. Basically, uh, I started my career at, at HR, and that's where I found my interest in mentoring. I got my bachelor's degree from the University of New Hampshire in healthcare and also a master's from Harvard in psychology and counseling psychology, and uh, consulting psychology, rather. And so as an HR person, I was a generalist, and I really felt the strong need for the part of HR that dealt with development. And so when I decided to go out on my own and start my own company, I decided to do something that was unique, and I decided to do mentoring uh, because I felt that that was an area I had been mentored myself informally and wanted to sort of take that, the benefits of that to other people uh, in, the, in the country and elsewhere. So that's how I got started. Gotcha. Gotcha. Speaking of developments, Rainey, um, you know, one question we've been asking pretty often, which I think, I think just goes with the times um, before we kind of hop into mentoring and kind of peeling back that um, is before this whole pandemic has set. And I know you're on the East coast, so it's probably a lot more extreme uh, before the pandemic has set in, what would you change before? And what would you like to have right now that you don't with the pandemic going on? Well, I think one of the things that I, I realize is that I've been going to a specific restaurant for five or six years. I've gotten to know most of the people there, bartenders or waitresses or waiters, and it sort of forms a social circle. And I wish I could have that back. I miss that part. If I could change anything, I think I would take down their phone numbers so I could be in touch with them during this whole <laughs> pandemic thing because I don't get in touch with them because I don't have that information. Yeah. And I kind of missed them all. So uh, I'm looking forward to going back to that restaurant, however slowly, and seeing these people again. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you doing carry out right now, Rainey, from that restaurant? To support yeah, them? I am actually. Try to support them as best I can two or three times a week, as well as a couple of other restaurants. But that's really been a very important social aspect of my life. Yeah, I'm with you. I do something similar to one of the restaurants in my neighborhood. Is I, every week I go and get them and yeah. I pick up, do some carry out just to support them. So yeah, I like that, Rainey. That's cool. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, well, I, I'm, I, I have not ventured from one carry. I only get this one specific pizza place in uh, Rock Hill, Missouri, uh, Katie's. No sponsorship, <laughs> no affiliation. It's just <laughs> tremendous. It's just so good. Um, good. Like diving kind of into our discussion today around mentoring. Now, uh, Rainey, as far as mentoring goes, why is having mentoring so important to organizations as a whole? because it's a strategic initiative that really makes a difference in the company. For example, a company will generally want to do mentoring for several reasons. One is it wants to retain people that it just hired, so it's a retention tool. 
They want to use it to develop their talent, particularly maybe senior management or perhaps engineers or whatever. Uh, they want to promote diversity in a more significant way because uh, studies have shown that uh, in terms of diversity, what makes a big difference is mentoring as opposed to training uh, because people have a personal experience with two people in mentoring relationship, but that really does make a change in people's attitudes towards other people. Uh, and finally, the organization also wants to do this because it has a wealth of talent within the organization. When you hire an employee, you're hiring them for a specific skill set, but you also get their life experience and other experiences they've had in life, and that can be tapped into to a mentoring program. For example, you could have a mentoring program for the entire population of employees who can then pick and choose as they do. So there are ways why this is important, but most importantly, it is a question that makes a difference in people's lives and in an organization's success. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I really like your narrative and how you describe that. So in this, in today, right, everybody's saying, oh, you know, you got essential employees. This is, this, and, and we're looking at budgets really hard. Uh, why would you say that mentoring is an essential development initiative? Well, first of all, I think it's particularly important right now. Right now, if you happen to be at home by yourself, and let's assume you're an introvert, you probably want to have contact with people. If you had a mentor at this point, you'd have that support system, and it would help you through the process of navigating this whole employment issue that you're facing at this point, so whether you're going to go back or what have you. So I think it's more important today than it might have been yesterday, to be frank mm -hmm. with you. But when people look at mentoring, they think about costs, and actually cost-wise, it is one of the least expensive strategies to implement. You're talking about implementing, let's say, a, a huge uh, performance management system, you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars. If you're talking about implementing a mentoring program, you're talking about maybe a couple thousand, three or four or five thousand dollars at most. It's not a very a cost, uh, it's not prohibitive factor. So I think that people, when they start talking about mentoring and start talking about the cost, they're missing the point. The yeah. point is, will it be helpful? And it will be. And so it's well worth every penny you put, you're putting in it. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think in you know we've we've made a couple new hires um, in Engagedly as well, and you know seeing kind of how that they're kind of fitting into our organization. You know they're a little bit a little bit higher up. Um, one specific hire, you know, I've been talking with with him a lot. Um, and he's been kind of helping me uh, during this time, just like understanding my kind of path forward, things like that. So mm -hmm. I think it's definitely really been. Um, spotlighted now in this time rather than it was before because before i think we were going through routines things like that um that we don't really spotlight mentoring as much but now that we're in more of this work from home environment it's definitely um become more important and then yeah. as far as or go ahead Aaron. oh i was just gonna say yeah and even what rainy had said when he introed you know it's a you know, during this time when we're separated it's a really valuable resource that not only is really easy, right? It's really accessible because it's people, but we're also building those connections at a time when we're very separated. So now more than ever, like having that ability to leverage mentoring for development is a very, it, it's helping you on multiple levels, even on the personal side when they're going outside of work, right? To have a connection you're building with people and we're not having that, that same kind of experience readily available because we're not in these environments where we have these very collaborative group uh, interactions. So I, I like what you said there. Oh. Yeah, it becomes very, very important. I think that that uh, clients that have a mentoring program, I assume, are still using it, particularly now because of the issues we just discussed. 
So it's a critical component. It's support is what we're talking about. And although there's a lot of informal mentoring that occurs in organizations, uh, formal mentoring is really the way that organizations are going because it's a strategic initiative that is tied to a company's objectives. So that way uh, you can uh, develop people in a way that the organization says is necessary for its future. Yeah, and I guess that kind of goes along with kind of the, the why, you know, like I think we've danced around it a little bit, but as far as making sure that it is formal, what, what would be a company's like why behind making a decision to implement a mentoring project or mentoring program or projects kind of in their company? Well, it would be, again, a question of letting them know that uh, the value is in the developmental part where the individuals are actually establishing a relationship with someone in the organization. So you're building loyalty to the organization as well as building bridges and building down silos that, that exist. So that's a very important uh, component of mentoring that is often overlooked, that you are building bridges and you're retaining people. Uh, the, the idea is that if I have someone who I can go to on a regular basis, let's say once a week or every other week or so for an hour or so to, to be mentored by, uh, I'm going to feel a connection to the organization that somebody else who doesn't have that doesn't have. And we know that in today's generation, uh, many people expect to be short-term employees. Mentoring allows them to feel more devotion to the company they're in and to stay longer. But that would be another reason. The, the other thing is for people to understand what mentoring is and what it is not. So that if you're going to be implementing a mentoring program, you need to be able to do it correctly. Uh, it is not the kind of thing where you just say, oh, I know what mentoring is. People get together and talk, what have you. We can do that ourselves. So, you know, we know exactly what that's all about. That's a, a recipe for failure, to be frank with you. Uh, the biggest problem people have is they don't make a distinction between mentoring and coaching. And that's probably the basic fundamental failure of programs that don't succeed very well. Coaching is about performance. It's about uh, having someone evaluate the performance and have measures that you have to meet in order to be able to be successful. Mentoring doesn't do that. It's not a performance tool. It's a, it, it is a relationship tool. It is about building a relationship with someone, helping them develop in ways that make sense for them as well as the organization. But primarily, it is driven by the mentee not the mentor. And that's another way that it differs from coaching. So if you don't have that distinction and understanding, you're probably going to set up a coaching program instead of a mentoring program. So that's yeah. one of the pitfalls that exists when people put in a formal mentoring program without knowing what they're doing. Yeah, I, I would echo that, Rainey. And it's almost like you, you built this program, you did all this work, but your foundation is on sand, right? right. <laughs> and you right. got to, you just don't know where you're your positioning there you haven't drawn those clear and drawing those distinctions like you can't be assumptive and just say oh they know they know you know we know what it is you really want to back it up and just say hey let's even if we know let's just talk about it again let's just make sure that we're all aligned on what the expectation is here and i think setting those expectations within mentoring like you're saying that's yeah that's something you and i talked about in the past and i and i love the way you frame it because completely agree i mean that's something that even early on when i started doing more mentoring work that I made the, that was something I made a common assumption. Like I remember doing that, the quiz that we talk about the uh -huh. mentoring versus coaching. And you're like, Oh yeah, maybe that's the, I think I got that one wrong. You know? So it's, that's, you know, it's, we can't assume like we know the answer to that either. I think we, like, yeah, well, exactly. Particularly in mentoring. I, when a company will call me and say, we have a mentoring program. Can you, can you let us know what's wrong with it? I'll, I can, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. 
By that, they don't have a program manager designated to manage and hold people accountable. Two, they don't have clear guidelines with expectations specified. They don't do any training, or if they if they do training, they'll train the mentees, but not the mentors. Because I think mentors already know that, you know. And so those are the chief uh, pitfalls if you're if you don't know what you're doing, and you can do a lot of damage with a bad program as opposed to, you know, what you could accomplish with the program that's well designed. Yeah, that's a really good point. So how can someone, or if you're giving somebody guidance, how can someone start building a mentoring program in their organization? Well, the first thing they want to do is make sure that they have support from the very top. You have to have a champion at the top. And also, where is the pain? What is, what is leading you or the organization to be thinking about mentoring? Is it retention? Is it diversity issues? Is it you've got career development, but it's not well-defined, and you need to add this to you know, your component? That's, you would need to have a strategic purpose because the goals of the program and the, what happens in mentoring is you are building a relationship based upon competencies. So it may be leadership skills. It might be sales skills. It could be whatever it is the organization feels it needs in the population that is being mentored. So we'll call those mentees or mentorees. Okay. So that's why it has to be tied to strategic business objective, and that way you can measure, if you will, at the end whether some of this has been accomplished. Uh, but what's important is for you to build, to make sure that you have people who build a relationship, and that's important. So you have to have a designated program manager. You should have a committee of individuals that help design the program. Usually there's four or five people that are involved. It doesn't take a long time to do this, probably maybe a day or so altogether, but you want to have somebody from HR, somebody from training and development, somebody from uh, VP level, uh, somebody who represents uh, the management, okay? Four or five of those individuals who will help design and roll out the program. And then you have to market your program to the participants. And, you know, the issue that I often encounter is, well, how do you get mentors to participate? Because mentees will participate because they already know the benefit. So it's not really hard to find mentees. The question is to find mentors. And the issue for mentors is they think it's going to take a lot of their time which it will not, but that has to be explained to them because they, they don't know that, okay? Because they don't know what formal mentoring really is. It has structure and it has uh, rules. So one of the rules is you would meet for an hour to an hour and a half every other week. That's the golden standard in the industry. They're talking about two to three hours a month, usually at lunchtime or at some, whatever convenient time it is. And so when you let people know, mentors know that they're not just going to be spending a lot of time with the mentee, but they're not managing that person. They're simply going to be a facilitator of that person's development. Basically, they're going to be someone who uh, is going to be someone they can come to, talk, share their issues, learn, gain some skill sets, but get the support. Because I know that if you have a good relationship, the outcomes will occur. The outcomes will be the competencies, but also a lot more than that. Some people will be more confident. They'll take greater risk as a mentee because they have the support of a mentor, because the mentor believes in you, and that kind of pep talk, when it's real, makes a real difference in people's lives. So you need to do that. Then you have to hold people accountable. So you need to have rules that specify, again, you're going to meet every other week or so. Uh, you should have quarterly sessions with mentors and mentees to find out how things are going. And at the very end, you should evaluate programs and find out what people got, both from a program perspective but also from a personal perspective. Mm -hmm. That's good. And a typical program is about a year long, so it takes probably about oh four to six weeks to get it off the ground and running, and then they they're matched for about a year, 
Mm-hmm. And then there's a winding down process so they can end and either continue informally if they want to or end the relationship entirely. That really is up to the pairs. Uh, but the company has nothing to do with that relationship after that, after the formal program is over. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you mentioned something there that I think a lot of people will be interested in. I know I, I am myself. Um, as far as like, how would you take that step to inspire a mentor to really take, take like initiative within the organization to step up to the plate to do that? Because that structure is great to put around them, but how do you get them to step up to the plate to be a mentor to a mentee? Sure, sure. There are other ways you can do it. Besides besides the marketing to the directors I just mentioned to you a second ago, there are a number of ways that other people do it. First of all, uh, a program manager might come to a mentor and say, you'd be the perfect mentor for an individual in our program because he or she knows the two parties. So that's, that is an attractive way of, of attracting a mentor because now they know they're being needed. But you have to explain to them what expected of them as mentors. So you just can't say, you know, that uh, somebody could really use you to say, and this, these are the rules that we follow. The other way that people do it is they will, a company will say that, uh, let's say we're going to have a pilot program of, let's say, about 20 pairs. That tends to be typical. Uh, most organizations start off small. They build accordingly. And so they might say, well, we're going to do this for a certain population. We want mentors from each of the divisions of the company. So we want the managers to recommend mentors into the pool. So that's another way of doing it. Or the man- managers can, can ask the, uh, the individuals to, to volunteer as well. Uh, so those are probably the two or three ways that people actually get into the system. It's really not too difficult to get mentors, uh, but it does require some persuasion. Yeah. So when designing the funny a- thing about that, funny thing about that is once they're a mentor, they're going to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, and yeah. the mentees will become mentors, and they'll do it over and over again. So you're building a mentoring culture is what you're really doing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, I like that. I like that cultural aspect, like making that part of your, we were talking to one of our, one of our clients, Rainey, and they said that, you know, when I asked him, I said, uh, I'm just kind of doing a, just a, a conversation to see, you know, almost like a case study with them. And I said, yeah. you know, what's, why is mentoring so important to your organization? And I said, well, it's part of our DNA. So when you talked about that cultural aspect, it really does become part of the culture. And some of these organizations out there, they do it really well. And I, and I think that's the, uh, that's really, a really good uh, initiative to be doing. Now, when you're talking about, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, starting or building that program. If you're giving some advice when designing a program, what are some of the common pitfalls that we need to be aware of when designing a program? Or well, I out? think you want to be, you want to be very clear about the role of the manager and the mm-hmm. mentor in the program, because those roles get confused all the time. And so rule of thumb that I, I use when I was when I go into a company and put in a mentoring program is that a manager of a mentee may not at any point in time talk to a mentor of the mentee for any reason pertaining to the mentoring relationship, okay? Mm-hmm. And some people have pushback on that, particularly very senior management, because the idea with senior management is, look, I have a, I have a manager that can give you some information in, let's say, in uh, uh, performance and so forth, but I have a mentor who has valuable information too, and I'd like mm-hmm. to hear what the mentor has to say just in case it doesn't agree with the manager, okay? But you can't do that because mm-hmm. if you, in fact, create that link, you're basically having two managers instead of a mentor and a manager. That's really what you're having. So a company has to say that we uh, – that leads to the issue of confidentiality, which is very, very important. So that whatever is discussed between the pairs stays within those pairs. Yeah. Okay? So the company can't access that information for any reason. Now, if, if a mentee says, I want to go talk to my boss about something that I've talked to my mentor about, as long as the mentor agrees to it, you know, and it's not pertaining to the, the, 
the focus of the relationship, uh, it's okay. For example, if I'm working with my mentor and working on specific, let's say, leadership skills, I might then go to my manager and say, manager, I'm working, you know, I have a mentor and I'm working on leadership skills. Is there an opportunity for me to participate or lead a project? That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, we don't want people to, to go to the manager and talk about what the relationship's all about. This is what's happening. Some of my mentors says what you said, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So that's the other important thing to make sure mm-hmm. that we, we clarify that. And then make sure the guidelines indicate that, that you negotiate the ground rules of the relationship. So, for example, how often you're going to meet based on what the program is saying. Okay. Uh, how do you give each other feedback, both positive mm-hmm. and negative? For example, I might say if I'm your mentor that you know, if, if, uh, if you want to give me feedback, just come right out and tell me. Or I might say, as your mentor, I, I'm rather sensitive, so what I'd like to do is for you to tell me in advance what the issue is, call me before we meet, and then when we meet, I'll be happy to discuss, discuss it with you, okay? So, um, and then we define confidentiality and trust between us. For example, my definition of confidentiality might be everything we say here stays here. But your definition might be anything we say you could use if you ask permission, mm-hmm. Okay. So people have different understandings. So when you use a word like mentoring or, or confidentiality, people have an understanding of what the word means, but they don't have the same definition of that word. Yeah, and that's, that's where point, people right. get tripped off because they think they know. Oh, yeah, I want to do mentoring? Of course. I don't, I don't even <laughs> go to training. I know what mentoring is all about. I've done it. You do have to go to training. Yeah. Both mentors yeah. and mentees, they have to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. They have to understand the same definitions, the same ground rules, and how the dynamics work. So you have to train both partners in order for them to succeed. Yeah, yeah, the same starting point. And I like how you talked about trust and that doubling down and the trust is you know, extremely important. So that was good. Yeah, thanks for that, Randy. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a fundamental building rock of the relationship. If you didn't have trust, you wouldn't have mentoring. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, going into, I feel like we have a really good framework now just through this conversation of like what the framework of mentoring looks like from, from your experience, what's one, one true success story that kind of implemented kind of all the things we've talked about. Um, sure. Sure. Uh, a company that's been with us for about uh, 15 years, I would say. So it's a large international company, and they want to do mentoring. They thought they had mentoring in the organization because they had each division. that They had probably about, I don't know, 40 or 50 locations. And uh, they had implemented mentoring uh, earlier, and each had their own whatever, okay, their own ground rules or anything else. And I said, you know, what I'd like to do is review those, let you know if you really have mentoring or not. So they sent me all these 50 mentoring programs I went through and realized they were all doing coaching. Mm-hmm. So I said to them, you're doing coaching, you're doing mentoring. Well, what do you mean? So I explained it to them. When I explained it to them, they said, okay, let's do it. So what they decided to do is they wanted to start with, a, with success. They went to a division of the company uh, that had the greatest success in sales. So let's reward them with the pilot program. So they had six pilot programs going on in that same area at the same time. We created those together at the same time. Uh, so they had similar rules, but they were different ones because different areas had certain uh, idiosyncrasies. So they had a pilot program, so there were six of them running at the same time. They did an evaluation, and they were surprised by how well the program was received. First of all, confidentiality was an issue in that company. So the mentees in my training class would say, I don't believe confidentiality is going to exist here because everybody talks about everybody else. Well, confidentiality worked there, so people were amazed, so it led credibility to the program. What they did decide to do is they would expand the success of the program. They would renew each year, you know, would do that. But they would now expand it throughout the company based upon sales and success. So you couldn't get a mentoring program until you succeeded with your numbers. 
So they gave him an incentive for that. And to this day, at this point, they have many throughout the organization, both nationally and internationally. Uh, when they've done uh, surveys, uh, they have had a 90% success rate where they're matching. Okay? Wow. And they've been surprised by how well the program has assisted their retention, which is why they did it, and diversity. So it's, it, and so they do it every year. They renew every year because – and they always ask at the end of each year, basically to the people who are doing the program, is it worth, still worth doing? And the answer is yes. Yeah. That's, that's a powerful – It's become part of the DNA, as you mentioned earlier, and it's part of the DNA now. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a powerful example. So when you're in your experience, what makes what makes these programs successful, and then how would you recommend? You talked about measuring success. How would you recommend people then measure the success of these programs? Well, there are a number of ways you can measure. Basically, what what you should be doing if you're a program manager and you should have one, uh, and you probably should be using software because that makes it a lot easier. And software is not very expensive compared to some other systems that you might want to buy. Uh, you would have monthly check-ins. So people could go in, mentors, mentees, you could ask four or five quick questions like, how are you doing? Are you meeting regularly? Uh, you know, give me some feedback. And the program has to go into the system every month and see what people are reporting. And as they could therefore flag any pairs that are not doing so well and start dealing with them right away as opposed to being passive. You want to be reactive as soon as possible. Also, you should have quarterly sessions, I mentioned earlier, with all the mentors together separately, with all the mentees separately, talk mm -hmm. about what's going on, uh, have peer mentoring, and those mentors can, can mentor their other mentors who may be experiencing some issues and vice versa with the mentees. Mm -hmm. And you should have a final evaluation form at the very end, which measures two things. Basically, uh, what was learned, in other words, the competencies were acquired, learned, and what was the experience like being in the program, and, and the third one, which would be, uh, the, did the program work? What are the components of the program that worked or didn't work? Was the training okay? Did you meet often enough? Were you, did you have enough guidance? That kind of stuff. And you're going to find anecdotal information and because it's a personal experience that people are reporting, and that's, that's sufficient because they're going to report things like, I was transformed by this experience. I can't believe I have this person in my life. Or Amanda might say, I can't believe that I have so much knowledge I was able to pass on. I didn't think I had all that much to offer, but I have, I have a lot more to offer. And they will build a friendship in most cases that will last a lifetime. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I like it. Yeah, that, that's, why, that's why this is so important. That's why I think in today's you know, pandemic, it's even more important to have this. And one other thing I wanted to say, which occurs to me, is we were talking about the pandemic. When we're doing this like this, and we're having a, uh, we're having a conversation, it's really important for both the mentor and the mentee to decide what they want the other person to see yeah. when they're doing this. Mm -hmm. For example, you could say, you know, you could, I might have a mentee who basically wants all kinds of fun things back there and <laughs> is fine with that. Or I might have a mentee that says, I don't want my mentor to see that, okay, so I've got to do something differently, or vice versa. In other words, what I, want to, what I want to mention is that it's not just a question of let's meet, you know, physically this way, but what is the message that is being given of what's happening in the background? That's all. It's just yeah. one more thing to consider. It's not a big deal, but I think it's a consideration to have. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I always try to have a little something, something in the background. My uh, <laughs> my silver W is not present with us today, um, but I do have my card picture. That, yeah, yeah that, yeah. as noted in the last podcast, it's going to get hung, I, <laughs> if you can see it. 
There's a hole. You promised yes. that you haven't done yeah, it yet? You're committed now, Will. There's you a are hole committed. in the wall right no, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's underway. It's underway, guys. Okay. It's, it's a okay. promise. Um, I thought you were going to talk about your dog, Will. I thought you were going to say, you know, you have these meetings, and then Will just got a dog. I was like, well, that's required, right? That's yeah. Dog. Well, it's, he, uh, he, uh, he doesn't like being in here. He likes, he likes, he likes our couch and our bed, and that's it. He refuses. We have an all-carpeted apartment, but refuses to like lay anywhere else. Has to be on something. But we've, he's a pan, he's a pampered prince. We got him a bark box, all that good stuff. You know, he's spoiled already. We've only had him for like well, three days. Everybody appreciates you rescuing a dog, Will. That's for sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's, exactly. He's handsome. I'll I'll put him in the little link in the the Vimeo so everyone can see him. He's an American Bulldog, sweet as can be. His name's Ozzy. He's a saint. Ozzy. Ozzy. Good name for a Bulldog. I like that. Yeah. Full name's Oswald. So. <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> for the formal. <laughs> uh, back to mentoring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but as far as kind of impact. But you know, you know before, before, let me just sure. say, the kind of stuff that we're talking, that, you know, we're just bantering, you know, we're just bantering now and we were serious. That's what happens in the mentoring relationship, you know. Yeah. It's not just all business. It should be uh, fun in many cases, and it should be, you know, just chatting. That, yeah. That's right. critical as well. People sometimes think they've got to get something done. It's not a matter of getting things done. It's a matter of engaging. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I think, I that. No, no. And, you know, and that's just the, the objective, objective person in myself. I always, you know, for any of the meetings I ever run, I'm always like, let's get to the objective. Let's get to the objective. You know, I – I, it's just how I'm like, I guess, built in some way. But, okay. you know, a lot of the times, especially this conversation, we kind of went off um, a different paths. You know, we get a lot of value out of just questions you weren't thinking about initially, yeah. right? You know, you might yeah. ask something that triggers something in that person's brain that's like, oh, yeah. like they see it a different way. Um, yeah. I know Aaron Aaron always does that to me, throwing throwing me curveballs in our, <laughs> our little one-on-one meetings. I'm like <laughs> – where did that come from? <laughs> but but yeah. Um, but yeah, but in, in your experience, as far as like impact on business, um, where is mentoring kind of come in as kind of the biggest kind of like measure? Um, I know we kind of talked about like that big impact we had on the other business it's been coming back 15 years, but where's mentoring had the biggest impact on business? Well, I think if I had to choose it's it's hard to choose only because I think that mentoring has impact in a variety of different ways. It isn't just one impact. It's an impact in a variety of ways. For example, uh, I would say that the company that I was talking about, uh, the example I used, the biggest impact has been retention, okay, and particularly retaining uh, minority individuals, okay, and women. Uh, that's been as big as impact. Another impact would be that, that the uh, engineers – New engineers that came in were able to wrap up a lot faster because they had more experienced engineer who was able to, to mentor them. That, that's another area. Uh, I think you also have uh, in, in um, training and development, you will often have courses, and then what you want to do is you want to provide a mentor to maybe uh, complement the course so the person can develop further what the course taught. That, that has, you know, I would say probably retention uh, and also um, with the retirees, uh, leaving the company, 
be able to retain that knowledge is very, very critical as well. So that's also been a reason why uh, people have done mentoring is to say, look, we have all these executives or these very trained, experienced individuals that are either taking early retirement or what have you. We're going to lose all this experience that we now have to build up again. Well, if you have a mentor, and even if a mentor retires, it might still want to participate in a mentoring program. Because mentors don't get paid to do this. Mentors do this out of the ground, you know, out of the goodness of their heart, if you will, because they're generous people. So you would never pay a mentor. It would violate the whole concept of mentoring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, I think everybody always wants to focus, you know, when we talk to people, like, what's the business case? And um, so that was really good to clarify and, you know, hopefully you know, people refocus and see the value. Um, a lot of times that speak, like you said, the very objective, like you need to get something done. Well, I need to know the business case. Um, so where, where do you think mentoring could be used to have a greater impact in organizations today? Like, where do you think it's being underutilized? Uh, and then why do you think it's being underutilized? I think it's, be, I think it's being underutilized everywhere in some respects because companies don't understand what mentoring is. And the, the problem with mentoring is that it sounds so simple Okay, that people say, well, why, you know, we can either do it ourselves or really, I don't know if we really want to do this. They forget that it's not, it's simple, but it's complex in terms of how it develops and what it does in transforming individuals. You're talking about transforming an organization. So that's really what we're talking about. When you're building a mentoring culture, as I said before, you're breaking down the barriers between departments, you're building teams. Okay, because they're talking to each other more often. Uh, you're networking with other people that you probably wouldn't network with because of the fact that, you know, talking to a mentor, one day says, hey, I know somebody over there, go over there and talk to them. I build that. So I'm building a social network of, of development for myself as a mentee. The mentor is also adding to their list because the mentee may have contacts the mentor doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is for an organization, I, I think every organization should have mentoring. It's a, it's a no-brainer, and it's very cost-effective. Uh, and what I would think would work out, particularly now with the software on the market, is you could now have a program that could be reached by any individual within the organization, and they would simply go into the software and look for a mentor and invite that person to, to do so or not, and they could interview a few people, decide who they want. But that's what I would like to see eventually, and, and I think that it's possible with a pandemic, people that are doing mentoring, We'll see that it's greater value even more. And maybe what we can then use is use that information to tell other people after the pandemic, this is how helpful this was here. Imagine if, if you've got full employment and you're going back you know, to roaring uh, business, how valuable this could be. The simplicity of it is its own, uh, its own enemy because people right. just think it's that simple. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good distinction. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because they can, you know, people can go in and devalue what it actually is um, when there's almost an insane, insane ROI and insane value that it really brings brings to the table. Yeah, Um, Yeah, and I I would say if if you talk to people that have done mentoring programs and ask them to share with you the evaluations that they've received from their mentors and mentees, that's proof of the pudding right there. If you could read some of these testimonies of people, I mean, I've had, I've gone to a, at the end of a program, we generally have a celebration. We bring the mentors and mentees together, and we give the mentors uh, a gift, and uh, we generally will have a mentee write down a sentence as to how important this person was to them, and we put it in a plaque, and we give it to the mentor, which is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I've had people stand up and cry at those things, say, I didn't believe this was going to transform me so much, you know, um, it's it's you've got to see it to believe it. It's just absolutely incredible. 
Yeah, I, I think you make a good point too about that. You know, we think just understanding the theory, but what, not having experienced it, yeah. we, you, we diminish the value to some, some degree, right? It's like having just the theory. Oh, I know what mentoring is, but it's the intellectual play that they're having around that, but not having had that transformative experience. And I think that speaks a long way to, even though it's simple, having experienced it, you can say there's beauty in the simplicity of it. Right. Then that's because that transformative experience you have with having a mentor, uh, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily articulate that without having, you know, that's one of those, I'd say, empiristic methodologies, right? So you have to experience this to really understand the value a lot of times. I, I think that is such a good point. I think that's very true. And I also think that, that people, again, when they start thinking about putting something in, they start thinking, comparing that to big systems. Oh, it's going to take us six months for the system. And in fact, in mentoring, if you do it right, it, it takes you, as I said, eight to 12 hours to create design and everything else. Then you go out and you, you, you market for a couple of weeks or so, and then you match in the course of a few hours, and then you're up and running for training, and you're, you're up and running. So you can be up and running with a full program in two to three months easily. Yeah. And then your program yeah. is up and running. So you're not talking about months. You're not talking about lots of money. You're talking about an investment. Probably the investment that is the cheapest to go in will probably give you the best reward of any other program that you have. I like that, it. That's my personal belief, it, only because I've seen it so many years, the, the, the dramatic effect it has that, that I, I'm just a big believer. I mean, I'm sold. I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in on it. <laughs> I'm Yo, sending I, you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> Invoices in the mail, Will. I, you know, I <laughs> – you know, as Aaron and I have been working in the office, you know, Aaron on the mentoring complete team, I focus primarily in the engage elite team, um, hearing the distinction between, you know, mentoring and coaching kind of over time. Um, it's definitely kind of brought me to the realization, like how important mentoring is. And this conversation has definitely kind of brought that to light as well. And uh, Rainey, as far as, you know, we, we've a lot of ambiguity kind of going into the future. Um, and I think this conversation has solidified that mentoring's essential com completely to any organization. But do you see the future of it just growing more and more, even with like kind of maybe employee counts that are like even smaller, like 200 employees, 100 employees, like programs in there? Oh, I, th I think so. I don't think I don't think size is an issue. It's a question. The okay. the only issue where size would be a problem would be if you only have a uh, you know a company of fifty employees, you know, and they know each other very well. It may be difficult to uh, to maintain confidentiality. And also, if the manager's there, then it gets a little bit more complicated. But I think organizations that have two hundred or more are probably in the best position to be able to do this. But I think that technology is going to bring new developments in mentoring, ways that we can connect beyond just the face-to-face -face, and even something like this and maybe something even more profound that will develop as a result of technology, particularly in light of the pandemic where people are going to have to work more from home and who knows what technology will bring us. But the issue is for us to not forget that it's not about technology, it's about the relationship. Mm. So, for example, we don't do mentoring through email. We don't do mentoring through Twitter. We do mentoring face-to-face -face, like we're doing now or, you know, physically face-to-face. -face. And we have to remember that technology can assist, but it does not replace the relationship. Right. Yeah, okay. that's very, very well said, Rainey. We talk about that too, as Will was saying, the engagedly and the mentoring complete side, like they'll ask us about these real-time channels that we interact with. And, and I always make that same distinction. I say, these are not supplementary tools. 
These are complementary tools, right? Yeah. They are things that reinforce but don't replace, right? Cool. That's that's all they that's all they do. And if we're looking for a replacement, that, that's a larger conversation, right? <laughs> You're looking to so um, well okay. said, Randy. Yeah, yeah, it's very important for us to uh, to treat technology the way it's meant to be treated, as you said, as a complement as opposed to uh, replacing. Yeah. So Absolutely. remember, it's, it, the key word is always it's a relationship. If you start with it's a relationship, certain things come to mind that, you know, you say to yourself, well, that doesn't work. This would work because it's a relationship. It's not about performance. It's a relationship. Right. Right. And as far as, you know, what are your last comments, you know, thoughts, comments to share uh, before we kind of close things out, Rainy, on this wonderful episode three of the Engage HR <laughs> podcast? Thank you. How much I owe you for that? I'll take it off the <laughs> airport. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, my, my thoughts, I would say, I've done this for 30 years. It's been my passion for 30 years, and I could do it again for another 30 years and still enjoy it. I think that, that it is simply, uh, for me, it's one of the most effective tools one can use for an organization to develop its people in a way that is powerful and is particular to the organization. And I think that I think it's going to have a bright future because it can never go away. You'll always need a mentor at some point in your life. Yeah, you may not always need a coach, but you'll always need a mentor at some point in your life. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Cool. Alrighty, and hey. you know, mentoring. I know you know we talk about people in enablement, performance management on this podcast. Um, Rainy will actually be coming back a few episodes from now. Um, and we're going to be talking about the mentee side of things. So this is kind of a mentor driven or, you know, podcast, things like that. You know, what we talked about was more mentor driven, but the mentee side is coming soon. Cause you know, one thing I brought up when we were touching base, Rainy, Aaron and I before this was, you know, what, where do mentees go? And there's really not a lot of content around that, um, out that you could find. Um, but I think it'll be a great topic and we're going to have a great conversation about that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, 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 I'll close us out without, with that one. I appreciate everyone for, for listening in. I'm William Miller, um, Director of Sales Enablement here at Engagedly. Aaron Adams, partner, HR practitioner, <laughs> stellar all-around guy. And we also have Rainy. Uh, you can listen to the intro for him at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, but I appreciate it, guys. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye now. Bye. Take care, everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.